Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast. This week, I, U Street, have taken over hosting duties. And with me, I have Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello as always. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. Happy to be here and what a great day it is to be a Gopher fan. It's always a great day to be a Gopher fan. As we record this, uh, we do as we always begin by discussing perhaps things that were funny to us over the weekend. I will actually go first and say something that is not funny to me. As I've mentioned before on previous podcasts, I think when people lose jobs, in general, that is a bad thing and not something uh, to laugh at or celebrate. So my sort of very amusing thing is the fact that Nebraska is, for reasons unclear still to me, going to waste seven and a half million dollars to placate an absurd fan base. Andy, what was funny for you this week? Um, well, probably Wisconsin falling flat on their face to Washington State at home. Uh, the Washington State team led by a Wisconsin transfer running back who uh, was not getting run with the Badgers anymore and decided to find greener pastures and, and came back to, uh, to haunt them. And uh, led by a head coach who played at Wisconsin Stevens Point. Um, and is a, I believe is a Wisconsin native who came back and uh, got his first major win uh, as head coach of Washington State uh, by upsetting the Badgers. So uh, it's always nice when Wisconsin on Wisconsin crime happens. Um, and it's always nice when the Badgers fall flat on their face and we can sit back and laugh and enjoy a glorious Saturday. I'm calling it now that I think Paul Christ might not have a job. At the end of the year, I mean, unless wow, I mean, they're going to let Jim Leonard take the job over, I, I don't think they're going to give him the ink that hot. But uh, if Barry Alvarez was still there, I think we could talk. But I think I think Chris McIntosh doesn't quite have as uh, as his hottest seat burning as, as Barry might have. But you know, we'll see. I am making the point that it's based on trajectory, and full disclosure, I have thought that Paul Chris potentially wouldn't have a job now for several years so this is a little bit like predicting that it's going to rain at some point but looking at that wisconsin team from just a competency standpoint not so great speaking of competence blake do you maybe have something that was funny for you this week well you know actually um i was thinking of speaking of job security i don't think there's anyone with more job security um for no reason at all, really, than Kirk Ferentz. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, this weekend, I don't know if people have been watching, but uh, they've been struggling a little bit, um, just a little bit, on, on the offensive side of the ball. They finally got their first touchdown of the season um, this weekend against Iowa State. It was right after uh, uh, Iowa State's first possession, ended in a blocked punt, set them up or upright at the goal line. Um, but then they just didn't score uh, the rest of the game, and apparently that's... That doesn't help your chances of winning the game. You know, to their credit, uh, they were still in the game till the end, but ended up losing 10-7 to Iowa State um, because their offense is possibly the worst in college football. Um, might have something to do with the coach's son being the offensive coordinator and you know accountability there and nepotism and things like that. Um, just don't want to don't want to dive too much into that because you know it's just messy family stuff. But uh, but yeah, I uh, you know I've I've gone on record that I think it's you know just frankly bullshit that Iowa keeps winning despite not a, not taking seriously the uh, ne- the requirement to score points to win games. Um, so I, it's nice to see, you know, karmic justice wield its, wield its head in their direction finally. Um, but uh, my only fear is that losing to Iowa State for the first time since I think like 2014, 
um, may actually force Kirk Ferentz to make changes. Um, I'd rather he didn't. I think, you know, Kirk, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure he's one of our, you know, devoted followers, just stay the course, buddy. Um, you know, just stick with Spencer Petra, stick with Brian. I think you had a good thing going there. Just, you know, keep doing the same thing over and over again, especially through November um, when you've got the Gophers in that second to last week there. So, uh, you know, more power to him. Yeah, when in doubt, just think of the three R's. Run the football, racism, and rabdo. You'll be just fine. There you go. We covered, and by we, I, I mean Chris and I covered on Great Takes, the Western Illinois game. My position on the Western Illinois game was it was great that they won. It didn't appear that anyone got injured, and so in that sense of success. But I'm not a huge fan of these games. It's a little bit of a Debbie Downer. So for Andy, do you have a more optimistic perhaps view than I do about that sort of game that we saw the Gophers win on Saturday? I mean, yeah, it was it was definitely a blowout. Um, I mean, it, it got uh, it got the media to fawn all over Tanner Morgan and the Gopher passing offense. Um, you know, I, I think uh, potentially privately, some people might have some more concerns about that. It was, it was nice to see a great performance by Tanner passing. Uh, I do think if he was going up against a bit more of an athletic secondary it might have uh some of those passes might have had other outcomes um but we don't need to worry about that quite yet and i worry that or i'd have no worries that uh kirk Shiraka will get things straightened out by the time that uh, that that type of defense gets a little bit tighter um so in some ways it was it was good to get you know just to show off that type of playmaking skills and, and get something uh i have a feeling is as we'll get to the colorado preview here in a little bit that we're going to get back to uh, probably a, a large ground presence this week uh against the buffs so you probably you know you saw your chance for the gophers to open it up in the non-conference um the next time you're going to see probably tanner open it up will be against michigan state but um you know it, it the defense looked solid um, you know, we had our first turnover and bounced back from that right away. That was nice and key um, as, as they, you know, didn't let that come back to haunt them. Um, they, they got back out, got a big stop, and then went right down and scored again. So that was nice. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's tough to tell a lot from those teams. But, I mean, the good news is they did what they were supposed to do. Um, you know, even even against the teams of the Western Illinois quality, we've been letting them stick around a lot longer than uh, they probably should have the last season or two. So it's nice to nice to put it out of reach right away, and and nice to get uh, second and third teams about a quarter and a half worth of run, and and uh, you know, it'd be nice to hopefully see if we can and you know see if we can sneak in that second team again for about half of the fourth quarter this week if we do what we should do against Colorado. Absolutely, Blake. Is there anything in your life that you are consistent at? as Mo Ibrahim is consistent in 100-yard rushing games? Um, probably eating Oreos. Um, I just can't stop. You know, I do draw the line at some of the unusual flavors, but um, you put a pack of Oreos in front of me, and I'll just go to town. I mean, that's that's consistency in my book. And that that is – you're not getting paid to say that. You're just, you're just openly admitting your gluttony. Yes, this is true. I have no shame. We'd love to be sponsored by Oreos or Nabisco if you're here. Blake will happily eat Oreos on the podcast. Uh, one of the things that I also took from Saturday, and so Blake, I'm curious about this as we think about our upcoming opponent. Annie mentioned that Kurt Chiraka might get something figured out. There's a lot of optimism about the offense. A lot of that optimism, frankly, has been that the offense is being called by a different person than it was last year. Where did that person end up? You know, I'm glad you asked. He's actually the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at the University of Colorado. 
how how good and or bad do we think that the University of Colorado's offense is? Is this Cordell Stewart, Colorado? Uh, Cordell Stewart. Uh, you know, I'd say um, you know, from last season, the Buffaloes, you know, they struggled offensively. You know, we saw that firsthand with the Gophers. They shut them out. You know, I think they had 63 total yards of offense. Um, the end of the season, you know, ranked 129th in total offense, 121st in scoring offense. So, obviously, their head coach really really wanted to bring in some fresh blood. So, he's going to juice up that offense. So, naturally, he turns to Mike Sanford, who led Minnesota's offense to a 99th ranking in total offense and 80th in ranking in scoring offense. And now, like... I don't know numbers. I can't do math well, but those are lower rankings, I guess, higher, so to speak, than the Buffalo's ranking. So that that's improvement. So he's he's going towards the right direction, I'd say. Unfortunately, through just the first two games of the season, this is a small sample size. I want to be clear. Um, I can't say Mike Sanford and the Buffalo's offense has been, you know, um, what I describe as successful. Uh, you know, they're averaging about 11.5 points uh, per game. Uh, their passing game. You know, this is probably going to come to a shock to a lot of people who've seen, you know, a Mike Sanford coached pa- offense. The passing game hasn't been great. Uh, they alternated quarterbacks that first game, then went with uh, JT Shroud, the Tennessee transfer in the second game. Um, you know, he was five of twenty-one for 51, 51 passing yards and an interception, um, which is not great. Um, yeah, you, know, you feel for him. And then on the ground, you know, I think Mike Sanford hung his hat last year and then being able to run the ball. Um, not so much in Colorado. They're averaging about 112 rushing yards per game. Um, and that's, you know, 104th uh, ranked nationally. So just, you know, they're, they're really struggling on offense. Um, so it's just, which comes as a huge surprise to me, um, knowing the talent they've got there on the coaching staff. So, uh, but you never know, maybe Michael figure something out for uh, this weekend against his old team. Uh, you never know. Well, let's, let's hope that we do know. And the answer will be that he will not. Do you think that Minnesota will have more difficulty or the same amount of difficulty or less difficulty scoring points against Colorado than they did against Western Illinois? I would say just because it's a jump from SCS Power 5, maybe slightly more difficulty. Um, what's funny is coming into the season, Colorado's defense, their strength is supposed to be their front seven, their secondary four of the starters, or three of the four starters are redshirt freshmen. So they came in thinking that they'd be stout up front and they might struggle in the secondary. Um, secondary hasn't really been tested because the front seven has just been an absolute disaster. Um, just to put this in perspective, Minnesota's averaging about 200 rushing yards per game on offense, and Colorado is averaging Colorado's defense is allowing an average of 355 rushing yards per game. Um, so obviously that's that's a very good comparison um, in Minnesota's favor. Now the caveat there is they played Air Force last week, who uh, who only attempted one pass, oh, completed one pass for like eight yards, um, and they did rack up 435 rushing yards um, at a clip of 6.2 yards per carry. You know they run the triple option offense there. Um, but uh, again, I mean, even the week before that, they had they gave up 275 rushing yards to TCU. Um, so not a lot of, uh, you know, tackling up front or stopping the running games. I really think, you know, you can probably, if, you, if you're a gambling person, I'd say you could probably bet on Mohamed Ibrahim still getting his, you know, 100 yards rushing his 12 straight game of 100 yards or more. Um, just not a, not a great defense, I would say. So you could say, you know, Colorado's struggling on both sides of the ball, which is unfortunate for them, but obviously very fortunate for Minnesota coming into this game. 
So it sounds like, not to spoil your preview, but you would be surprised if Minnesota did not emerge victorious this week. Yeah, I would be very surprised. Um, yeah, I mean, averaging 11, 11 points per game on offense, and I know you know Minnesota hasn't really played anybody yet, but I feel like we know how good Joe Rossi is. This defense, in my estimation, looks pretty good. They got a lot of a lot of good athletes um, at all positions, and the defensive line has looked. You know, pretty solid so far, but uh, but yeah, I can't say I feel confident that Colorado will emerge uh, victorious this Saturday. All right, Andy. In addition to football, obviously the main draw, we had some other sports that are playing in the fall. So we've got volleyball and soccer. Volleyball, how do we do? Yeah, so volleyball was a it was a split weekend. The uh, the Gophers were hosting the uh, Big Ten Twelve Challenge at the PAV this past weekend. Uh, Minnesota, Penn State, Stanford, and Oregon, um, and it was another pair of ranked opponents. Uh, the Gophers were number three uh, headed into the weekend. They started off with number eighteen Oregon, um, and it was, it was a back and forth. The Gophers got a three one win, but it wasn't easy. Um, Oregon took leads in in several of the. Uh, three of the four sets and the Gophers had to slowly claw their way back into the match. Um, culminated in a, in a 27, 25, uh, four set win to clinch the match, but the Gophers had to come from at least five points down, uh, multiple times, uh, to battle their way back. So they, you know, didn't quite have, have their a game, but they got a nice big win on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately didn't quite carry over. They still didn't have their a game, but uh, number 11 Stanford, uh, did not quite give up the leads like Oregon did. Um, Stanford went out to leads and, and, and all but one set, they, they hung on to them as the Gophers could not uh, fight their way back. So it was a three, one win for Stanford on Saturday. Uh, so the Gophers split the weekend going one and one Penn state would beat both Pac-12 teams and they would win. They jumped up in the rankings this week from number 20, all the way up to number 11. Uh, the Gophers fell from number three to number six, uh, still in, in pretty good hands after, uh, you know, their, their wins earlier in the year. Um, and they'll finish off the non-conference season this weekend with the diet coat classic at the PAV. Uh, one more ranked opponent, uh, Thursday night, they host number 22 Pepperdine. Uh, and then they play Washington state on Saturday. Who's receiving votes. Uh, Washington state has a middle blocker by the name of Shea Rubright who played at Minnesota for three years before transferring back home. She's from that area in the country. Uh, so she'll be making her first appearance back in the have uh since being in maroon and gold so um minnesota should beat both these teams uh, they just need to play their game and and should be sitting at six and two before they jump into the uh not or the big 10 portion of the schedule which uh, starts just as hard next week uh they open up at purdue who i believe is currently number 10 in the country and then oh by the way they come home to host number five wisconsin so uh <laughs> Doesn't get any easier once you get into conference play for, for the Gophers, uh, but they're ready to deal with it uh, at the path. Are there other updates or other non-conference sports that a casual Minnesota fan should be paying attention to right now? Yeah, it's uh, it, we should give some love to the, uh, the Gopher soccer team. They got off to a rough start in the year, started the season um, oh two and one, uh, but they've now battled back. They've won their last four games in the non-conference, uh, capped that by – by knocking off uh, Marquette last Sunday, three nothing at uh, Elizabeth Robbie Stadium, uh, and previously beat uh, Omaha the Thursday before that. So, um, Gophers women's soccer all of a sudden finding their goals. Uh, Sophia Bowman three goals in the, between the two games. She was named the Co Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week this week. The uh, the Adina native really turning it on for the Gophers. Um, they also have a, a D3 transfer from Washington University, St. Louis, who came in um, 
for Minnesota uh, the last game or two, and that's going to be um, – sorry, I'm dropping her name right here. That's um, completely missing it. Anyways, I'll have to pull her name for her. I apologize to her, but uh, she's got two goals as well. Uh, one each the last two games, so she's really turned it around. Was the D three uh, player of the year the last two years and transferred in Minnesota for Gabby a Cesar. Year. So uh, that's nice to see. Th- thank you. That that is the one who I uh, I cannot click on the right link to get her the name to come up. But yes, Gabby Cesarone, uh like I said, she was the one of the D3 players of the year uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, she transferred into Minnesota for her super senior year this year, and she's stepping up and playing D1 soccer just fine. So uh, really a nice transfer for the Gophers. Um, they open up Big Ten play here Friday night as they head to Lincoln to face Nebraska. Um, I don't think Scott Frost has done anything to sabotage that team at all. Um but uh, the uh, yeah the Gophers and Cornhuskers will face off in the Big Ten opener as well. Uh, one other note: uh, we're still three weeks away from the first real game uh, for the Gopher women's hockey team. But the preseason rankings dropped this week. Uh, we'll have an article on that in the blog here coming up in the next day or so. But uh, Minnesota is ranked number two in the country in the USCHO.com poll, and they are number three in the country in the USA Hockey. Uh, national poll um going along with that uh they were ranked number one by the wcha coaches in the preseason wcha poll that came out on tuesday uh it's ridiculously tight at the top you've got uh, defending national champion ohio state uh, was ranked one in both polls and you have obviously wisconsin uh is ranked two and three in the polls the gophers aren't two and three in uh i believe there was literally one point separating Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State in the in the WCHA poll. Uh, Minnesota had 44 points, Ohio State 43, Wisconsin 42. Uh, the Badgers had only two first place votes, while the Gophers and Buckeyes each had three. So obviously there was one coach that ranked Minnesota in second over third place, and that was the one point that uh, that split it. But it, it should be a dogfight between those three teams for the top of the conference. UMD not lurking far behind. They are expected to finish fourth in the conference, um, but they are ranked fifth in the country preseason in both polls. So that's four of the top five teams in the country, once again representing the WCHA. Uh, absolutely the toughest conference in college hockey, and, and they should definitely be competing to get bare minimum three, if not four teams in the NCAA tournament come March. Um, a few other notes of, of preseason awards. Taylor Heisey, the uh, Patty Kazmaier winner and uh, WCHA Player of the Year last year, was named the preseason WCHA Player of the Year uh, by the coaches this year. Uh, she had a ridiculous performance at the uh, Women's World Hockey Championships a couple weeks ago here. Uh, the second highest point total all time at the tournament. Um, so if she plays anything like she did in that tournament back in the WCHA, we could be seeing our first uh, potential back-to-back Patty Kazmaier award winner since I think Jennifer Botterill did it in like the late 90s. Um, so we'll hope that uh, Taylor Heisey can have that type of year for the Gophers and keep them on top of the rankings all year long. All right. So we might as well close out here. Lots of exciting stuff happening in all fall sports, but from a prediction standpoint, I don't think Blake and I actually have intelligent things to say about upcoming games in the non-conference. Whether or not we have intelligent things to say about football, irrelevant. Blake, what is your prediction for this weekend? Uh, I think Minnesota will win by a score of 34 to 10. 4 to 10. Andy? 
Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot. It was 30 to nothing in Boulder last year. Uh, I don't think much has changed from that. Um, we'll go uh, 38 to seven. You know, Colorado lost. I think it was 42 to 10 to Air Force last week. So I see no reason why Minnesota can't at least match that. So we'll go. Uh, we'll go 38 to seven. And I am going to predict that PJ Fleck will continue to grow the beard until at least conference play. With that, thank you as always for joining us. Make sure you check out. The blog, there's a lot of content coming up, especially in relation to the Colorado game and, as mentioned by Andy, non-conference sports. But until then, Skyuma, go Gophers, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.